0: Bowl season daily for you. We got four games here on a Saturday. And uh, and Tom Fernelli, I think that uh, I want to say thank you. The, this bowl season daily journey has been great. I think the listeners have liked it. We've been able to provide uh, some, some good nuggets for everyone. And of course, if you want any recap, uh, go a little bit back in the feed and you can see the full college football playoff. Uh, instant reaction show that we recorded late in the evening after the conclusion of the Sugar Bowl, Uh, but we know that you also need your picks for this Saturday, January 2nd, so we will uh, begin right with the Gator Bowl. We're in Jacksonville. Kentucky a narrow favorite over an NC State team that has doubled Kentucky's number of wins. If, if you ask me, I think that NC State has been the better team for the most part. Am I crazy to think that the Wolfpack, like are we, are we on a wrong team favored alert? Because I've reached out to all my Raleigh sources and I don't know of any last minute opt-outs that should be influencing this line, which by the way was, has been sitting around Kentucky minus two and a half for quite some time now.
1: Well, first of all, let me thank you for like pointing out that today is Saturday because I have had a lot of difficulty keeping track of what day it is this time of year. But as for this game, yeah, I I get kind of worried. Like this is one of those situations where I'm with you. I mean, obviously, NC State's had the better season, and it's you know Kentucky's coming into this game with with a losing record. NC State had you know was. Outside of Clemson, Notre Dame, and Miami, you could make the very strong argument that NC State was the best team in the ACC this year. So when you see that Kentucky is favored, like you said, my initial reaction when I saw it was like, "Who's opting out for the Wolfpack?" it's like you go look up, and it's like nobody. So it's 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 one of those weird situations where it's like you feel like somebody might know something that you don't. But I I'm probably going to take NC State before I take anybody here because it just I feel like maybe I'm falling into a trap. But it just seems like it's too good to be true in a weird way that the better team is the one getting points. And as we have seen so far in this bowl season, like the SEC is not having the greatest bowl season. Yes, yes. Like, Like Mississippi State beat Tulsa. But it's not like it was a dominant win. And of course, Mississippi State hasn't been a very good team all year. So it's still a bad look for the AAC that the second best team in your conference is losing to a three and seven Mississippi State team. But at the same time, that's if that's what the SEC is going to start hanging his hat on. That's probably not a good look for the SEC. So I look at this matchup. And it's like. I just just don't know how excited or how thrilled Kentucky's going to be to be in this game. Who knows how ready they are for it. I have a feeling NC State's going to be ready. And this is a team that, you know, you have to give them a lot of credit because their season – They started with Bailey Hockman at QB, and then they finally were able to give the ball to Devin Leary in the job, and they kind of transitioned to being more explosive and having more of a passing attack. But then, of course, Devin Leary gets hurt, so they've got to go back to Bailey Hockman and kind of reverse course into what they are on offense, and yet they've been able to keep having success both ways. And I just look at this matchup, and I see a Kentucky team that has a very good defense, but a Kentucky team that can't score. And it's always hard to trust teams to cover spreads when they have difficulty scoring. And especially, I, I just think that this is a matchup. I, I think it's going to be like the totals 49. Yeah. I kind of like the under two. But give give me the Wolfpack on the money line, honestly.
0: I thought that 49 and a half says that they do think that Kentucky defensively is going to be able to limit what NC State does. That's kind of yeah. what I see there. But uh, the Wolfpack have won a bunch of close games this year. So I I, th- I think that um, they also lost close to Miami. But I I'm with you. I'm going to take NC State. And I'm going to be fearless about it. Maybe even sprinkle that money line too, just for uh, all my friends in Raleigh. Uh, All right. We also have, so that'll be your 12 o'clock kickoff on ESPN. We're on ABC with a 1230 kickoff from the Outback Bowl. We've got the uh, Bloomin' Onion, AKA Ole Miss going up against the Coconut Shrimp, AKA Indiana. The Hoosiers are uh, nine point favorites in this game. And Ole Miss, frankly, is in one of those positions Uh, Much like we saw Florida, where it is missing a ton of the key skill position players that have helped Ole Miss be fun, be explosive, be high scoring. Matt Corral, as Barton Simmons uh, correctly pointed out, could have like a combined four touchdown five interception kind of game. I think he said the touchdown plus INT prop should be like nine and a half on the over under. So like... Do we, I remember the Dennis was on the Hoosiers, but like, can you trust traditionally, I would never trust a big 10 team by nine points against an sec team in the Outback bowl, but it maybe feels like the right side.
1: I it's, it's especially weird because like, you're not just asking us to trust a big 10 team as this size of a favorite in this game. You're asking us to trust like Indiana. <laughs> in this size weird and world it's got, <laughs> and it's like listen indiana has been a terrific football team this year it comes in number 11 i'm not sliding it it's just like as far as mental awareness and just history of what you think of indiana football it's like really indiana's the football team that's gonna be this big of a favorite in this spot but it's really hard to trust old miss because like you mentioned all the players that they are missing we i i I underestimated the impact that it was going to have on Florida in that in the game against uh, Oklahoma, but still, you can't mention that like aside from three turnovers early in the game, that game itself could have been different too because Florida did still put up 521 yards <laughs> of offense, but you mentioned turnovers, and then you look at Matt Crow and you're like, oh, yeah, that's a that's guy that likes to turn the ball over, and this is an Indiana defense that likes to feast on turnovers, so I feel like this is an awful matchup for Mississippi still don't know that i want to take indiana to cover the spread i think i feel safer honestly because you look at the total it's like 66 66, 66 yeah. and a half 67. I think I want to go under because I do think that defensively Indiana is good enough to possibly slow down this Rebels offense, especially considering everybody that it's missing. And I feel like that total has not taken enough into account what those absences can do for the Rebels offense, because I think Florida is in a situation where it has more depth to deal with it than the Rebels do at this point. I don't think Lane Kiffin has really gotten enough people in there. So maybe consider Indiana in the first half or see where it's going in the first half and see what the line is at halftime. If you want to bet the spread, see if you can go against the grain there. But I think the smartest play for me in this one is going to be the under.
0: I had the over on the bowl locks. And as we sit here on Saturday morning, I'll tell you, I don't feel confident in it because as soon as I said it, uh, the rest of the locks pod was like, you uh, you sure about that with Elijah Moore and Kenny Yeboah and Jerry Anili out? You still feel good about it? And just in my pride, I was like, yeah, I still feel good about it. But with some time to really, like, dissect it, I, I cannot endorse it as my final claim for this game uh, here for the good listeners of Bowl Season Daily.
1: I will say, though, we shouldn't, like, just – omit the fact that Indiana against this Mississippi defense is fully capable of putting up 40 points
0: it's it's very possible
1: (laughs) it's it's not dead in the water it's just a little scarier than it would probably typically be in a normal Mississippi game
0: the afternoon kickoff we go to the Fiesta Bowl a pair of New Year's 6 games to close out uh, our bowl week Oregon, the Pac-12 champs against Iowa State, the Big 12 runner-ups. Cyclones as a four and a half point favorite over under around 58 or so. Are we going Matt like take Matt Campbell as an underdog, fade him as a favorite? Is this are we starting to cook up something like this, especially with an Oregon team? That to me might have a little bit of juice just sort of with the way it played in the Pac-12 championship game. They they played good football. They looked a little bit closer to what I was expecting to see from this Oregon team throughout the year. I think they can win. And if I think they can win four and a half is a nice uh, little bit of padding.
1: Yeah. I, my natural inclination when it comes to Iowa state is always back them as dogs and kind of back off them as favorites. And the one thing that, I mean, this is, this is going to be like silly narrative kind of hot takey stuff, but something yes. I'm interested in seeing with Iowa state is have they, has Matt Campbell improved that program enough to where they're not coming into a, a new year's six bowl game like this against, you know, the PAC 12 champion, although it's a weird champion, And they're not like excited in viewing this game as though we're the plucky underdog and we're going to show the world. Is there a chance that Iowa State has reached the point as a program where it has had enough success in recent years to where it's kind of disappointed and let downy? Like it's not feel, you know, it lost the Big 12 title game to Oklahoma. It had its shot. And maybe it just comes into this game like not really caring that much. Like, man, no, we wanted to win the Big Twelve. And, you know, okay, we're going to come to play. I'm not saying they're going to lay down and die or anything. It's just, I wonder if there's going to be an emotional letdown because they're they're past it psychologically of being the plucky underdog. Like they think that they're. They think they belong here now. So that kind of pushes me towards Oregon. But at the same time, I, I think you're right that Oregon is feeling good about itself. It won the Pac-12 in a strange way. It didn't even win its own division, right. but it won its conference. But at the same time, Oregon has had problems, too. Like, it has not been a team that has had dominant performances for the most part. They've had problems defensively. They've had problems finding you know consistent success on offense. I think I'm kind of more interested in the total here. I think I'm going to go with our old, you know, our old fashioned Iowa state unders. Mm -hmm. They've been good to us. And I just feel like when there's too much that I don't know, go with what I've gone with before.
0: Speaking of uh, players missing North Carolina, as you correctly pointed out, missing about 4,000 yards of offense because not only is Javante Williams a 1,000-yard rusher and not only is Michael Carter a 1,000-yard rusher, they both also have a couple hundred uh, receiving yards and also receiving touchdowns. Deami Brown, a 1,000-yard receiver, also missing in this game. Tar Heels, seven-and-a-half-point underdogs, kind of about where it's been uh, for this line, even as the news comes out, which I can only assume is a uh, Sam Howell still playing kind of uh, approach to this. Texas A&M first New Year's six bowl game. They they wanted to be in the college football playoff, of course, number five in, in the final rankings. Do you think the Aggies are disappointed or do you think that they'll come in and try to make a statement against a team that lost to Notre Dame by 14?
1: I think they're in a great spot because I think that they are in the spot where they could come out and play well and crush a North Carolina team that's missing a lot of key players and then say, see told you we should have been in the playoff or like you said they could lose to a North Carolina team missing a bunch of players and they could just say yeah well you know we just let down we felt we deserved to be in the playoff kind of disappointed not to be there you know we let it get to us so I think they're in a great spot from the narrative angle but as far as betting this one I don't want to overthink it like I agree I I feel like the reason this line hasn't swung is because Sam Howell is still playing the game and Sam Howell is a terrific quarterback but I don't think Sam Howell is so good that he could not have every single weapon that he's been dealing with all season, in a bunch of new guys and have that same kind of success against the Texas A&M defense that I'm not going to call elite, but it has been good. Mm -hmm. And, so, I'm taking Texas AM. I don't want to overthink this one. I think that, you know, you look at them, they don't have a bunch of people opting out. They've pretty much got everybody. And I do think that, you know, like you talked about it earlier when we had, before when the playoff rankings finally came out, Jimbo wasn't really expecting to be in the top four the way he approached it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, I don't think Jimbo does have that kind of letdown. And I think Jimbo's going to come into this game and have his team prepared to win. And maybe, you know, set it up saying, hey, we should have been in the playoff this year and we're going to go into 2021 trying to prove to people all along that we should have been there and that'll be our goal going into next year. So I'm taking the Aggies and laying the points.
0: Give me the Tar Heels because the back door is always open with fourth quarter Sam Howell. I'm True. telling you, like, I just think Texas A&M gets out to maybe like a, you know, 10 nothing, 14 nothing lead and just kind of starts to move along at their own plotting little pace. Maybe it's 21-7 to at halftime. But Sam Howell kick it against some soft coverage, just starts dicing them up. And all of a sudden you look up and North Carolina is going to be attempting an onside kick with like 33 seconds left. And North Carolina will be inside the cover range. If it's under seven, I'd back off of it. So, cause we got some time until this 8 PM kickoff. It's the last game of the day. But if you can get it North of seven, you're basically just betting on the fact that uh, that North Carolina offense in the fourth quarter when things get a little bit soft and they start to go play with a little bit of tempo that they can just, you know, all of a sudden start chewing up yards in a hurry.
1: You you know what you just talked me into? Texas A&M in the first half.
0: Yeah, absolutely. North Carolina was the worst second quarter team in the country last year. Why? Mm -hmm. Why? It doesn't make any daggum sense. But yeah, I uh, figure
1: that's got to be about that'll be about three and a half points probably if the spread stays in this general area. I think I think a And M in the first half might be a great play now.
0: Yeah, North Carolina's probably down double digits at halftime, and then they somehow end up uh, losing like on a failed two point conversion <laughs> or something like that
1: it's never easy
0: uh, no it never is uh he is tom Frenelli follow him on twitter at tom Fernelli. follow me at chip underscore patterson thank you to you and you and you and all of you who downloaded the bowl season dailies we will be back this coming week and we'll gather together to do some breakdowns and some uh weekend leftovers we will also begin to put together our preview for the college football playoff championship game very excited about that tom thank you very much
1: thank you